Hey, 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 it's B-Rad Celebrity Stylist, your host here on Hairstylist Podcast Radio. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Want to be a guest? Just message me. The show is for hairstylists that want to empower and change the world with their voice. We discuss triumphs, tragedy, stories of inspiration, how to earn six figures, how they got started, and more. Like, share, and subscribe today. Said I need you now cause I'm losing patience By four you were knocking on my door I said love is a two-way road He don't care no more, I'm not going crazy Needed you just to help forget it all And it was easy, you put the records on to Hey, 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 it's B-Rad Celebrity Stylist here, your host for Hairstylist Empowerment Podcast. Today, we have an exciting guest that I'm so incredibly overjoyed to have. Her name is Jackie Case, and if you don't know Jackie Case, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her right now. So, Jackie has been a health in the health and beauty industry for 24 years. She's been a spa manager, health and beauty manager, trainer, educator, area manager, and operations manager. She also runs her own training school. Um, she was trained in hypnotherapy, NLP, EFT, tapping, three principles, CBT, and master business coaching. She has a specialty in the beauty and hair industry and believes that she has skills that are transferable to other businesses as well. So managing a business can be very lonely sometimes. And who do you turn to when you have a problem? Well, that's our guest today, Jackie Case. So Jackie, I want to say thank you for coming on the show today. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so Jackie, you're from the UK, is that correct? I am indeed, yes. Wow. So I'm so excited to have you on because I think today's podcast is going to be amazing because you have so much knowledge. And I think it's one thing that I think we have a lot of salon coaches or business coaches, but they don't come from it from approach like you do, especially having EFT and NLP and things like that. So first, kind of um, give us a little bit of your story, like what made Jackie Case, Jackie Case? Okay, well, I obviously started in the hairdressing industry when I was younger, um, like everybody else, but I had phenomenal training. I trained at Harrods. I then went out on the cruise ships. I then worked my way up into management. I then was an, uh, worked for L'Oreal as a technician. I've um, been an area manager. Um, and um, for me, whenever you go into any form of management, I never saw my job as a manager. I always saw myself as a trainer. Mm. So my job was to make somebody do the best that they possibly can be. And through my, whether I've been working with clients, whether I've been working with people in the team, I always felt that there was things that, were blocking people, but I could never take it one stage further because I wasn't trained. 
No, and I think I think that's a big problem for a lot of people, which we're going to dive into a, a little bit later. But and that's the thing because I think a lot of coaches, I think they they mainly concentrate on a lot of the surface stuff, but not really what goes underneath and the real workings of the business and the real working of the stylist or beauty professional or esthetician or anybody uh, kind of in there. But how did you get there? Um, so when you started, yes, you did all these things, but just from going to school, how did you kind of get into, you know, being an educator and being a manager and being, you know, because uh, obviously you don't, you don't just leave school and all of a sudden I'm a manager. <laughs> you know what? I think it's funny because basically I never really planned it. It was opportunities, uh, doors opened. And I just was brave enough to step through those doors, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, um, maybe they're so blinkered, they don't actually see opportunities coming towards them. I never, you know, I, I was working in London and before I know it, I was actually doing somebody's hair who worked on the cruise ships and they said to me, go and work on cruise ships. Ah. And I was like, oh no, no, it's full of old people. <laughs> gave me the guy's name who runs the cruise ship yeah. he said Clive Warshaw so mm -hmm. Spot, I wrote yeah. off to Clive and before yeah. you know I interviewed and I worked on the ships mm. and then from there you then work your way up and I had a manager who wasn't very good so then I thought to myself I want to be a manager yeah so then I into management and mm -hmm. then when I came back and I wrote off to all the manufacturing companies I wrote off to Weller I wrote off to Schwarzkopf I wrote off mm -hmm. to L'Oreal and um and then L'Oreal came back to me and they were like, okay, ah. come for a job. Yeah. I didn't even know what I was going for. If you honest. just, you just grabbed the companies you applied or sent them off a note okay. and said, Hey, I wrote, I wrote off to anybody and everybody. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, and then L'Oreal phoned me up and said, come for a job. And I went along for an interview and I didn't know what I was going for. I really didn't. <laughs> I saw, saw L'Oreal and no. Um, went along to the interview and they liked me <laughs> and they mm -hmm. said could you come back and do a presentation and a 30-minute written exam oh. um, so I went back and I did a presentation on skincare which mm -hmm. um, obviously on the cruise ships we used to do some skincare yeah. demonstrations mm -hmm. um, and then before I you know it, I got the job and I still wow don't know what you still don't know what they hired you for <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny I went along for a three-month induction period where mm -hmm. we get taught everything to do with L'Oreal. Okay. And obviously that, they teach you train the trainer, developing people, knowing how to do it in a big classroom environment. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and obviously then it was like, okay, where, do you, where, we, where are we going to place you? And I was living in the south of England. I was living down in what, Berkshire. And they okay. said, what about, Man what about Manchester? And mm -hmm. I was like, okay. Never been there before in my life. Didn't oh. know anybody. I moved up there. And then basically I got given, and I still didn't know what my job was until I was out on the road. <laughs> a lot of the jobs, as you do them, mm -hmm. once you've been given the knowledge, it's actually then you learn on the job. And I think that's what sometimes people forget is that sometimes just because you know something, it's not until you actually physically do it that you learn even more. Mm -hmm. And then obviously from there, I was going in and, training and working with salon managers and developing the team. Um, and then basically I then went to work for Tony and Guy as an educator in their academy, mm -hmm. um, helping the young people develop through as well as working with them doing like a Vardering program. I don't know if you know about the Vardering program. Um, mm -hmm. So I was doing training for that. And then it was like, okay, 
I want to come back from Manchester, back down to Berkshire. And then before you know it, I was working for Regis International okay. as an area manager. And that's where I looked after 12 to 15 hair and beauty salons in and out of central London. Wow. Wow. So I had all, I was originally hired for the House of Fraser department stores. And then the guy in the London area left, which is their biggest account. So I had Selfridges, I had Debenhams, um, um, I had Selfridges, I had Fraser Oxford Street. And basically mm -hmm. my job was to go around and manage the managers that were actually in those areas and mm -hmm. make sure that they made the money. And that's when I really kind of like utilized my skills to be able to help people to understand. And I think it came to the fact where one of my managers was so in deep really really deep really stressed anxious mm -hmm. frustrated it was life or death to her and I actually looked at her one day and I went it's not life or death you know if you don't do that no one's going to die if you don't do that mm -hmm. and I could just see her shoulders just relax and it's funny because she became an area manager a couple of years later mm -hmm. and I heard her say to somebody else the same sentence I said to her it's not yeah. life or death yeah and but then obviously through that, I went off and did all training and education. Mm -hmm. And then for me, I wanted to take my training one stage further and understand the mind. Mm -hmm. And that's when I trained in hypnotherapy. And I got introduced to a guy called David Key. He's amazing. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And he works with, a, he works with something which is called Three Principles, mm -hmm. which is based around your thoughts, your mind, and your consciousness. And... Anything that's happened in your life is only happening here and now. You can't touch mm -hmm. whatever happened behind you and you can't touch what's ever in front of you. You can only mm -hmm. deal what's here and now. And when people begin to realize a realization, it's amazing the results that you see. So mm -hmm. I think when I do hairdressing, my thing was to make people look and feel good because that's what you do the job yes. for. People always say to me, how can you stand there for an hour and a half and do a set of highlights isn't that boring and you go no because it's the results at the end of it That's exactly well and it's a connection you make with the client and as i say it is it is a result but i think a lot of people after a while um we may touch on this if you have any uh thoughts too about burnout and things like that because i think a lot of even hairstylists managers people in the industry they put their mind on autopilot and they just, they're there physically, but they're just not there mentally. They're not yeah. mindful. They're not like, they just, they're doing hair, but they're thinking, I need to grab milk, bread. You know, <laughs> you know the grocery <laughs> list is going on in their head while they're doing clients, right? Or they <laughs> not. Um, uh, you mm -hmm. the haircut. You've actually done the haircut and you didn't even realize you've done it because your mind is elsewhere. <laughs> exactly. It's like an auto, auto responder or just like you're, or same, you're driving. It's how did I get home? I'm already here. Right. So the same, you've done it so many times that you're like, well, I've done this before. Okay. I do this. I section here. I do that. And it's mechanical. Yeah. It's challenging yourself. And I think a lot of hairdressers get stuck in a rut where they use the same colors. They mm -hmm. don't go any further than what they are. They don't, it's almost like the fact is some clients become like friends that they don't then put yes. to then go one stage further. It's like, you know, a client, some, some hairdressers, they're already have the color mixed up for that client. They never, they never sort of say, do you want something different? They become in a very no. comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that for, to do this, this job, which we've been very, very lucky mm -hmm. to do, but you have to keep pushing yourself. Exactly. Because if you don't, you become stalemate. 
Mm -hmm. And I've seen that before because people come in, the client comes in, the stylist already has the color mixed and they're like, oh, I'd like something different. But they're like, oh, I already have it mixed. And then the client's like, oh, okay. So well, that's, uh, that's not a wow that makes them more excited with you. It's like, oh, okay. This well, makes you want to look for another stylist. They don't even ask the question, do you want something different? No. They just assume that that's what the client wants because, again, they don't want to offend the client. And, and, mm -hmm. and this is where I feel you know, that there's a little bit of um, complacentness within mm -hmm. this industry is the fact is that your clients, sometimes they're paying for a service. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Are they your real true friends? Some of them are, but mostly they determine whether you go to Blackpool for your holiday or Bermuda. Exactly. And I think sometimes people just lose that. And, and it's actually listening to key things the client says, and it could be body language. It could be things that they do that actually is key for you to say, well, let's do something different. But sometimes mm -hmm. because of the relationship that you have, you're more concerned over what they've been doing in their life or what you've been doing in your life rather than actually thinking, this is my business and I need to make this client feel 100% special. Mm -hmm. And I think, but do you think a lot of the client experience really has to do with the, the stylist um, about the empowerment of themselves, how they kind of feel about themselves, or if they're not really challenging themselves, that's how they get complacent. But I also feel that that comes in life. Something may be happening outside of their life mm -hmm. that then their focus is on that rather than actually thinking and developing themselves. And then before you know it, it's kind of like you're doing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. Because again, I think also they always say hairdressing is a young person's game, which is a load of rubbish mm -hmm. because a lot of clients like the maturity of being able to talk to somebody and have a very decent conversation. They don't really want to know what you've been up to on a Saturday night. They really want to know about, you know, they want to have a meaningful conversation. Mm -hmm. And they're sharing. I think it's, and nothing against the youth and there are some amazing no. hairstylists coming up and coming, but someone who's 18 wouldn't, be the on the same level understand having kids a family life major bills you know if you still live at home where that mature person who may be 40s 50s 60s it's it's tougher to relate because the person you're talking to can't relate because they don't have as much life experience they may have a lot of hairdressing experience and great at what they do but that's all part of it too it's not about as i say your skill level because i think your skill level is a small percentage of your actual oh, absolutely you could be you, going back to that though there's a mm -hmm. lot of older stylists that feel because they are a certain age they can't deliver the same as what a young person can do and that's uh, exactly I think, I think people who actually trained a long time ago have a lot more discipline mm -hmm. a lot more structure yes they're more about shape they're more about you know really giving the clients what they really want and i want them to empower that Exactly. Exactly. Because when I trained, I had a master that I worked under for two years with my license, who was a world champion. You know what I mean? And say it was very tough. It was very, um, because a lot of times too, with going to hairdressing schools, a lot of times the schools are just a business and yeah. they don't teach you. They'll teach you how to cut color, perm, do that kind of stuff, blow dry, flat iron, but they don't really teach you people's skills. Yeah, they don't teach you soft skills, people skills, how to run a business, how to be successful, how to deal with difficult clients, how to, you know, determine the personality, how to read body language, how to, or if it is a section, it's only about half a chapter in your, you know, also, in your manual. Also, um, it's being in tune with your customers because sometimes customers will come in in a bad mood 
-hmm. and you actually think that they're in a bad mood with you, but it has nothing to do with you at all. It's actually something's going on in the client's life and you take it personally yourself. Exactly. Um, that can then throw you a little bit with your confidence and your skills, mm -hmm. but it's nothing to do with you at all. It's knowing that actually it's okay for a client to be in a bad mood, but it's your job when that client leaves to make them in a better mood. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's at the stylist empower yourself so you can rise above that because too, sometimes, I mean, uh, it's done with friends, family, whatever, whoever's around you lash out at them. You know what I mean? And it's, it's probably, you hurt the ones you care about the most, <laughs> you know, just because you're just in the line of fire. So you can't always, you know, and say push through and you, and you may get somebody who's difficult, but you don't know what situation they had before they came in. Right. No, and and it could be something, it could be something very irrelevant, but unfortunately, because as hairdressers, mm -hmm. I believe that we're quite touchy feely people. We are actually yes. in emotions. Mm -hmm. So they somebody comes in and they're in a bad mood we automatically want to make them feel good but sometimes mm -hmm. it's not our control on how uh, um on how we can actually do that exactly and we're one of the few businesses where we're actually paid to touch the client right yeah. so then and have an actual connection yeah, with them yeah into their personal space Exactly, exactly. Um, what do you think the largest challenge is, is for hairdressers and owners today from your point of view? Um, I think sometimes, well, when I was going into hairdressing or maybe mm -hmm. when I was going into my job, it was almost like the will to want to do that job very, very well. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying everybody, but sometimes because of the way the industry's gone is the fact is that people can actually set up on their own. They don't have any fear for their jobs anymore. Mm -hmm. As in the fact is, and, and I think from an owner's point of view, is that they're working really hard to make that business very successful. Mm -hmm. They haven't got staff members that are wanting to invest in them. It's very hard for a salon owner to then push and develop that staff member if they're mm -hmm. not bothered. Exactly. Or, or they'll just, or they do train them and they go off and go to another salon and then take, yeah. take the clients that wish to go with them. Yeah. yeah. I think, wow. I think. There is going to be a, a positive, and I think I spoke to you about this the other day when I said mm -hmm. to you, over here in the UK, they've obviously stopped the school level now till they're mm -hmm. 18. Yes. And when people turn 16, there's not that push then to put them, make them do an apprenticeship. Mm. And so sooner or later in this country, there's going to be a shortage of very good hairdressers because the fact is the next generation is not coming through as freely as mm -hmm. what they used to before. Um, and I, as I said, it's making it very easy for people to then set up businesses on their own. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but a lot of people set up businesses think it's going to be easy and it's not. Sorry, no, de de definitely not. Definitely not. Because too, for me right now, I'm on a Canadian tour with Care Green Canada and we go to all the schools, the salons, but it's amazing how to see the technique. You know, I get anything from the people that are experienced. No, I don't need to try that. No, I don't need it to say it's a hands-on learning certification. We need to see you. And the funny thing is I just went to a, a, a school yesterday and some of those kids were better than the stylists who have been doing it for years because then they tend to get lazy where these new kids are hungry. They have that fire. They have that passion. And I think that's one thing in the industry. We kind of have to get back in that sense of community that we're all here to help each other. You know, as an educator myself, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to judge you. No. Yeah. And I also feel that when it comes around to the money side of the business, mm -hmm. a lot of people seem to think there isn't a lot of money to be made in hairdressing, mm -hmm. but that, that is not the case, but it's down to the individual and what they're charging. 
exactly value what they charge and they think a client won't pay it then it has a knock-on effect and a vicious circle of what mm -hmm. eventually they are going to earn yes but they think but but i guess then what they're doing they're prejudging the the client to say you can't afford so i'm not going to do it or i'm going to charge them less because i don't believe that they can pay for it so that's the biggest question we always get is how do i charge or what do i charge but then that's subject to where they are located sorry mm -hmm. you can probably hear my washing machine in the background that's okay <laughs> <laughs> we, we all have to multi we all have to multitask <laughs> um, basically um the actual that's down to their individual purpose or the individual person mm -hmm. but also the fact is that where is their value in what they've learned mm -hmm. you know and obviously over here in in in, um, in england like they'll they'll say 20 pound a haircut okay but yet they've been doing it for 15 years or mm -hmm. 50 pound a haircut for 15 years of experience yes. and i i think that's really sad yeah it, because, it, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day all the skills and the effort that you took to learn that haircut it's just being washed out the window. Exactly. And that's a tough thing. And they don't, a lot of, uh, I think clients don't understand that it costs money to train. It costs money to get better. They expect that the haircut should be the same price as it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Me, you know, for me, yeah. I, I don't really have an issue with the client mm -hmm. because the client is only going to what you've offered. Exactly. Exactly. Stylist saying that a client won't pay any more, mm -hmm. and that I think is wrong because how do you know what a client will pay and not pay? Mm -hmm. Yes, and, because, I... and I think you know, I think you can probably relate to this, mm -hmm. or other hairdressers can relate to this. And the fact is that we probably never had to pay for our hair done, exactly. So exactly, we never had to pay for it when mm -hmm. it's suddenly it's 150 pounds for a cut and color, mm -hmm. then why, why we've never paid for it. So mm -hmm. why would a client then pay for it? Exactly. Yeah. And that comes down to, again, limiting beliefs, confidence, training, education. Sorry, I'm getting hit by my dog here. Oh, that's okay. Oh, so cute. So cute. <laughs> She's bringing her phone. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, some, some, some of the, the animals, I mean, obviously they're, they're family and they like to be part of it. They see a camera and some, some can be quite like they see a camera. They got to work that camera. Yeah. So I think when it comes down to it, as I said, it's like, um, I, I always relate it to the fact is that, you know, because friends do our hair for free, mm -hmm. We have then an issue saying to a client that is what the price is and i think it's such a shame because a client will pay because it's, it's the relationship that you build with that client it's not it's the mm -hmm. whole experience that you're yeah with and a lot for hairstylists a lot of us trade off like i'll do your hair you do my hair we buy the product and that's basically what it costs you but then they don't really understand we're trading off our service and our time where with a client because they have to pay for your skill set so you yes. trained and you're, you know, you're paying that price because I took the time to go to school or take uh, an extra week at Sassoon's for $5,000 or, you know, things like that, that the client doesn't understand where if you're paying a lot of money, like you pay 5,000 for a course for a week, you can't charge $10. You can't charge, I guess, um, probably you five pounds, right? No, exactly. <laughs> like, this is the thing it's almost like you know you have to sort of like you have to sort of value what it is that you're doing and, mm -hmm. and as i said the cost of the color 
all the taxes, the insurance, all of mm-hmm. those have to come into account. It's not like something you can just pursue. Mm-hmm. So how would you suggest that if a stylist needs to raise their prices, how should they go about that? There's different ways you can do it. Mm-hmm. And what I educate my um, people who I train is basically to say to them, is actually have your prices, but then have surcharges. I see. So if you've got thick hair, mm-hmm. a surcharge goes on. Yes. If somebody has um, long hair, a surcharge goes mm-hmm. on. So it's a £10 surcharge. Or... Yeah. But also when you set your prices is actually consider what does it take for you to do that service in the first place mm-hmm. so it's not like a figure that you just put out no you yeah, just make it make it up i think i want to make this much so i'll just charge this much yeah oh, I'm, I'm coming away from a client and i've got this much money in my hands but actually by the time you then take away everything that you've had to pay to do that service mm-hmm. you're probably only left with less than minimum wage half the time exactly exactly and that's, that's, that's a scary thought and then it's the whole thing of the fact is that you're not really earning that much money in hairdressing. Well, no. You can. No. And and I, go and ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. That's where I think, you know, it comes back to because when you kind of think of even doing a simple thing like a set of highlights, you've got mm-hmm. the color, you've got the foil, you've got the peroxide, you've got your time, the client is sitting there, even when she's there mm-hmm. with you and developing. Yep. Your you lightener, your toner, your bags, your caps, your cotton, your, your, your t- like everything. Coffee, yeah. coffee, mm-hmm. tea, whatever it is. Refreshment. Yeah. Yeah. The, the blow drying. Then you've got the styling products that you do for blow drying mm-hmm. that client. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously all your marketing material that you say for future bookings or whatever mm-hmm. it is you have, that has to all come into account when mm-hmm. a client is doing, doing that bill. So I think, um, if I could train somebody, that's what I would say is look at what does it take to actually do that service. Exactly. So look at all the services that you have and think, what does it cost me to actually do mm-hmm. that service? Then base your prices around that rather mm-hmm. than thinking about what somebody down the road is charging. Exactly. And I think there's a big thing where a lot of hairstylists, what they do is they throw in a lot of stuff for free that they should charge for. You know, oh, your, your hair's a little bit dry. I'll just throw on a mask for you, which is normally a charge, but they just do it. So the client gets used to that. Or to blow dry, for me, regardless of how they have their hair blow dried, as soon as I turn on a blow dryer, that's considered a service and I charge them for it because some clients will try to cheapen out. <laughs> so they're either, and I've had this before. A clients, dry cut. Well, a rough dry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll get a rough dry, but it takes you, but they still fully dry it, but you're just not using a brush. Can you put some product on after you've rough dry? Can you just put a little bit of hair? Yeah, you, you do that as well. Or I've even had clients say, oh, can I just buy, I'm going away. Can I just buy the color from you? <laughs> yeah. yeah no <laughs> you, you know what i mean and that's why because if we pay all this money and especially here in canada up to ten, twenty thousand to go to school and you're just gonna and that's the thing we have a lot of competition with drugstore uh with now stores opening selling to the public without a license so that makes it very tough but that's why your skill set has to be so much better but more so than your skill set i think it's the client experience and yeah. it's that relationship that you have because you may not be a great stylist, but you may have a really bubbly personality and that's why people come to you. You may be technically perfect and have no personality, be dry, not talk to your client and you're not busy. And going back to the other, like people say, well, they're so busy all the time. Why are they closing? It's because the pricing isn't done properly. And then, like you said, they're making less than minimum wage so they can't even get ahead. Because 
a lot of people in the industry don't realize you're also you're paying for your shop but you're also paying all your home expenses and all your other and your car expenses and other everything else out of that especially if you don't have a spouse secondary income some hairstylists are working somewhere else just to make sure like they own a shop or have a salon suite and they're also working somewhere else so they can make ends meet so they'll they'll do hair in the day and then they'll go in and be a waiter or waitress at night or a bartender you yeah, know just so, to just to make ends meet but that's where that's where it becomes a little bit like you know then the ownership isn't really on what the job is and mm-hmm. and obviously for them they're obviously then they must be competing against somebody thinking they can't charge according to their skills mm-hmm. yeah so so with the techniques that you use like nlp or eft or hyp- hypnotherapy um what are some ways they can kind of overcome or are those even good techniques to overcome limiting beliefs um, I mean, I, I mean, again, in scenarios when you've got people that are feeling a little bit anxious, because mm-hmm. um, half the time it is that. Regards to training, mm-hmm. um, obviously, um, it's two people can have the same training, but one will jump on it and one won't. Mm. Why will that person not jump on it? Why will they not act on it? So you'll get somebody who will act, or you'll have somebody in salon who's really busy, and then you have somebody who has had the same training, but they're not as busy. Why? It's because of that person's... Um, limiting beliefs to those themselves mm-hmm. as, as a scenario they've had in the past that's stopping them they don't mm-hmm. feel they're worthy enough they feel they fear rejection mm-hmm. um so obviously then they just don't try oh, okay so um so obviously regards to the techniques that i use once i talk to the managers and find out what their concerns are i then talk to each individual team member mm. because the team make up that business Mm-hmm. The manager can't do it on their own. Yes. So then by talking to the team, I can then find out where where they're feeling. And also what I find quite staggering is the fact is that most of them don't even have a yearly goal. Oh. How much money do you want to earn in a year? Mm-hmm. If I ask most people that question, they don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, I find that staggering. If you went for a job interview, what you would do is actually say, how much am I going to earn in a year? Otherwise, mm-hmm. you wouldn't go for that job interview. Yes. Yet, when self-employed, people don't actually even know what they want to earn in a year. Mm-hmm. They just care about what they're getting right now. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, using the techniques. Um, so, for example, um, I've had somebody who was um, uh, pregnant, who mm-hmm. basically was finding that they were getting a little bit of anxiety. They didn't know what they were going to do once they're pregnant, how they're going to pay their bills. Mm-hmm. So, then I do something which is called EFT tapping. Okay. Which is emotional freedom technique Mm -hmm. and basically it works on your meridians it's like acupuncture but Mm -hmm. without the needles Mm. so what you're doing is working in certain meridian points in the body and it causes when the body's out of alignment that's what causes you to feel unrest or anxiety or so what you can do is it's a known fact you can't have negativity and love in the same um in the same sense Mm -hmm. So what you do is you start with your pressure point, which is basically on your karate chop through here. Okay. And you start with whatever's causing you grief. Before Mm -hmm. you start, you measure on a scale of one to 10. Mm -hmm. So let's say anxiety. Okay. So my anxiety maybe is at an eight now. So you said, okay. Start here. Mm -hmm. I basically say, even though I'm at a level of an eight. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm at a level of an eight. I'll just, uh, we'll demo. So, <laughs> yeah. So, even though I'm at a level of an eight, 
I love and respect myself. I love and respect myself. And you say that three times. So even though. Even though. I'm at a level of an eight. I'm a level. I'm at a level of an eight. I love and respect myself. I love and respect myself. Even though. Even though. I'm a level of an eight. I'm a level of an eight. I love and respect myself. I love and respect myself. So then you can go between the eyebrows here with mm -hmm. two fingers and mm -hmm. you say level of an eight. Oh, okay. Level, level of an eight. Yeah. So we can have our audience. If you're listening right now or you're watching on YouTube, you can do this along with us and you can use level the of an eight. level of times. Yeah. The edge of the eyebrow. Mm -hmm. Level of an eight. Level, yeah. So even though I'm at a level of an eight. You, no, you only do uh, it on the crop. Oh, on there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, level of an eight. So just, just level of an eight. Level, level of an eight. Level of an eight. Level of an eight. And then on the edge of the eye, level of an eight. Level of an eight. Level of an eight. Level of an eight. Slow it down, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is a quick version. Obviously, you at home can do it a little bit. Um, I. Yeah, level of an eight, level of an eight, level of an eight. And under the nose, so you've basically got a point between here and here. Mm -hmm. So just in that center, that center yeah. part there. That's so, it. Yeah. Level, so of level of an eight, level of level. an eight, level of an eight. Then you've got the chin. Level of an eight, level yeah, of level. an eight, level yeah. of an eight. And then you've got underneath here is a point through here. So in again. between like your collarbone. That's it. Just that basically yeah. as it comes That little gap the at the bottom, like right yeah. underneath, well, uh, Adam's apple for guys. Yeah. You can use the whole hand in that area if you want okay. to, but yeah. not like hard, just press no. it through there. And again, yeah. just repeat it, level of an eight, level yeah. of an eight. Level of an eight, and level of an eight, level of an eight. And then the strange one is underneath your arm. <laughs> okay. So like brass, like, well, obviously you wouldn't have a bra on. No. <laughs> well, level you never know. Some... <laughs> Level, level of an eight, level of an eight, level of an eight. And then you go to the top of the head. Okay. Level of an eight, level of an eight, level of an eight. Then you take a deep breath in and then a deep breath out. And then what you would do then is you'd score yourself again mm -hmm. from one to eight and see if it's gone down a level. Okay. Yeah. And what you try and do is you repeat that a couple of times until you get it down to like a two or three. Mm -hmm. And then there's a mopping up process that you can do as well, which obviously just mm -hmm. reduces it because anxiety yes. is one of those things that is like shallow breathing. Mm -hmm. Another thing you can yes. do for anxiety if people have it is breathe in for 11, sorry, breathe mm -hmm. in for seven okay. and breathe out for 11. And that will also help to calm somebody's emotion down. But you want to you feel, fill your chest and your abdomen with as much air as you can, as full as you can get it. Yeah. And do you hold in between or you just bring it in and then release? You just breathe it in and breathe it out. Because again, when somebody's anxious, they're like very... <laughs> oh, okay. So it's shallow. So it's surface. Yeah. And then hypnotherapy is about obviously working with your conscious mind and your unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. So I'll do a very, very quick exercise with you now. Sure can. Yeah. Hold your fingers together like this. Okay. Is that right? Okay, and separate them. Okay. Okay. Now, mm -hmm. what I want you to do is I want you to imagine mm -hmm. both of those fingers, you have a magnet. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. And as hard as you can, I want you to keep your fingers open. Okay. Now, what's going to happen is the magnet <laughs> is going to start to bring those fingers together, regardless of what you think. Mm -hmm. 
you're going to fight it as much as you can, but basically the fingers are going to come together, mm. come together, because the magnet's going to pull, pull, <laughs> pull, pull, <laughs> and eventually you're going to feel your fingers so mm. they touch. You can fight it as much as you want, yeah. but your fingers will still I find that I find the more you fight it, the more it pulls. <laughs> because <laughs> you're like i have i have control over this i can control my fingers but they're just literally going by themselves <laughs> and that's to do with the conscious and the unconscious mind mm -hmm. and your body will react will um it will stop certain things from happening so sometimes you have to close down your conscious mind and active your unconscious mind and you can mm -hmm. change your belief processes oh, so where perfect. people are feeling stuck Mm -hmm. you can actually help them to unblock any negativity. So that would include depression, negative emotions, sadness, anxiety. Um... People have a lot of white noise okay. in their head. And if you can close down that, they actually feel like the whole weight has been lifted off them. Yeah, which is good. So would this also work then for like shame? Because I think a lot of people have that about their past too. They feel shameful. They don't feel worthy or they feel unworthy. You know what I mean? So this technique would work for that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so whenever I talk to somebody on a one-to-one, -one, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what is stopping them from progressing to what they want to be. Mm -hmm. um, and, and as I said, sometimes people don't even have a goal themselves. So it's helping them to actually give them a goal so they can actually mm -hmm. continue. Because I think in life you grow up, you um you go to school you mm -hmm. uh supposed to meet somebody marry somebody it's, um, uh, have your 2.4 kids a picket fence and a dog you're stylish you go to a senior stylist you go to mm -hmm. trainer educator or manager yes. but then once you've done that what's next mm -hmm. so it's sometimes giving them an actual area of where they can actually develop and what they want to still give themselves goals and progression so therefore they can actually achieve better so once you've actually got that then I look at what is stopping them from getting that. And that's where mm -hmm. I would use my techniques. Yeah. And I think what happens too, like as kids, we grow up, we're carefree. We have no worries. Our parents are taking care of us. As we get older, we're excited to get our first job. They're going to pay us minimum wage. So, Hey, that's okay. Yeah. As long as I'm making money, but they don't really. And I think because working for minimum wage never allows you to get ahead. And especially in our industry, you work long hours, you work a lot of sometimes erratic schedules or, flexible scheduling which means you don't have regular set hours you're in and out especially in corporate salons you might work till nine that night and then back for nine that morning and then it's all over the place so you're left tired you have hardly any money and you can't really get ahead but they don't really have any goals except for you personally except for sales right yeah. the way you can make more money is sell more product and that's your own you know and nobody does a life map or nobody has them sat down and say where do i want to be and the thing is how many people know right now which i think if you're listening or watching to this take a piece of paper with a pencil write down right now how much you want to make per year yeah. Then you break it down then. Okay, if I want to make this per year, then what's my six months goal? What's my one month goal? How much do I have to make per, per week and then per week. day, right? Or per hour. So if you want to make like, you know, so much, okay, I need to make $100 an hour. Well, then that helps you with, and look at what you have to cover, what your expenses are at the salon, what your goals and dream are, where you want to vacation, how you want to do it, what things you have to take care of. Those costs all have to be factored into that. And don't just like, scrape by scrape by or you're just going to end up having to take a job just over broke for somewhere else you get enough to get by or scrape by and that that's it it's really having a 
a good plan. And that's a, an excellent point, Jackie, because a lot of us don't know. No. They don't know. And they don't know. They've never looked at their finances. They don't because know what no they need. No one's ever trained them that unless they've gone into management and they've actually been given that, mm-hmm. um, you know, actually be given the task of knowing what's going in, what's coming out. They mm-hmm. just think of what's there and they're not really challenging themselves. And then when they don't, you know, eventually when what comes on top is the fact is that you're not making the money that you want to make. Mm-hmm. And therefore you limit yourself and then you start to get anxious because you think, oh my God. So then you try and fit clients in every minute of the day and then your whole life then gets affected by it. Of course, because you're, you're frantic, you're this, you're that, you grab anybody and obviously, or two, you start buying cheaper products just to compensate, um, you know what I mean? And, or like, yeah, there, there's some stuff that happens in the, the industry that I've seen, but the same. But again, and credit cards really aren't your alternative. Sure, you want this fan- fancy, exciting lifestyle, but eventually that credit's going to run out when the repossessor comes or the credit card <laughs> company starts calling you and creditors are calling you. Sure, it, it's nice to impress people in that, but why not the right way? But money comes through service. Do great service. Do great training. Believe in yourself. Get empowered. Find a great coach like Jackie, right? We'll have her information at the end because she can really help you. And I think you probably can help people globally. So they don't have to be in the UK to no, respond right. with you, right? You can, do, you can do it anywhere in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we all are in it because we, we didn't go into hairdressing for money. We went in there mm-hmm. because of the fact is we wanted to make ourselves and people look good. But exactly. if you're smart, you can make money from it. Mm-hmm. And you can actually live the lifestyle that you want to live um and and also you know i just think constantly challenge yourself and don't don't give up on those skills that you've learned because they they took you a long time even to learn how to do a one-length haircut right exactly exactly that because you do loads of it you just think oh it's just a one-length haircut it's just a trim Mm -hmm. no it took you forever to learn a one-length haircut exactly and people don't think and the same i think people have that concept too well it only took you 15 minutes you know, but it doesn't mean a 45 minute haircut is better than a five minutes means your skill level can get you, you know, it took you all that. Exactly. That's that last haircut last a client six Mm -hmm. weeks. Now take 15 pounds and divide it by six weeks. They probably get it for 66 pence a day. Exactly. And that's next to nothing. Yeah. Next to nothing. (laughs) You can buy a coffee, (laughs) you know, and and, and that's what is it. And it's about being empowered. It's about being, and that's exactly what the hairstylist empowerment podcast is about. And that's why we have guests on that empower like Jackie, because she's been there and she knows it. She's not just somebody who woke up one day and said, Hey, I think I'm going to be a coach. (laughs) I can coach, you know, she has her training behind her, the hypnotherapy, the NLP, the three principles, the EFT, which are amazing techniques, but she'll find the right technique that will work for you. Because once you break through those limiting beliefs and those negative, I think that's the biggest thing. Because when somebody comes to work, and I think we've all had this with a coworker, well, they're grumpy today, stay away from them. Or, you know, when you're grumpy, people don't want to be around you. So it's overcoming all this kind of like all this kind of stuff that, um, and I think that's the biggest thing in the industry, but this is one thing that nobody really talks about because I think there's people that do have, you know, depression that work in salons that do have anxiety that do have, and people just think they're lazy or they're afraid to do stuff or they're whatever, but you have the techniques that will show them how to overcome, you know, but I think 
we're taught as when we when we go into hairdressing, even when I was training and being trained, mm-hmm. is whatever happens in your life stays in the staff room. It yes. does not come out in the salon. Mm-hmm. So automatically, we're told to block our emotions. And we're very good at it. We're very good actors at actually mm-hmm. blocking our emotions. Yes. And so later, they start to come out. And they'll come mm-hmm. out in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. And actually, being able to talk about them is really important because you mm-hmm. you matter as well. Exactly. But do you believe science problems? Exactly, exactly. And that's what they want. They're paying you to listen to them. You know, they don't want to hear about, well, this is what I did last night. I, I shouldn't be at work today because I'm so hungover. <laughs> they really don't want to hear that. They want to hear about they want to hear about themselves. They want to hear about you talking to them. They the only the only talking they really want you to do is listen. <laughs> you know you manage a salon mm-hmm. you always get one person in that salon who can be your problem and mm-hmm. that can actually have a ne- negative effect on anybody in that salon yeah but it's actually knowing how to deal with that one person i think is really important because they can either make or break your salon exactly exactly and it's dealing with it but i but i view it as that person's a sandpaper that are rubbing against you you can let it go rough or you can allow them to polish you so you can rise up above it and then you're this piece of coal that becomes now a diamond right it's knowing how it's knowing how to to tackle it because sometimes you just think oh i won't deal with it but they're making loads of money i won't Mm -hmm. i won't touch them but yet they're actually stopping other people from making money exactly yeah and I know quite a few salons that, that have those type of people. I've worked in salons like that. I've owned my own salon with that type of person. I'm more vocal, but a lot of, and a lot of owners are afraid to yeah. talk to those people or they let them go. The they don't want to yeah. upset the apple and, 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 and really and truthfully, but sometimes that one person has, again, their issue is not with the salon. It's happening outside. Mm-hmm. And you could tap into that quite easily by having a simple conversation with them and they could actually realize that, that they can actually change that behavior in that person. Exactly, exactly. So what are some words of empowerment that you would give um, to our audience as we wrap up? Um, I think the main thing really is to believe in yourself because there's only one you. Mm-hmm. And if you are finding that you have come to a little bit of a headlong, like, um, a little bit of a block, if you're a manager, don't be on your own. There's lots mm-hmm. of other managers out there that want to help you. Um, they, they care for you as much as we see it as a little bit of a competition. Um, mm-hmm. Being a manager and is actually really important. It's an important position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, learn your skill, craft your skill in actually talking to people because there's nothing better than turning somebody's light bulb on. Mm-hmm. So one quick question, it just popped into my head. Do you have any thoughts on how hairstylist owners, managers can beat burnout? Can beat burnout? Yes. Because people I are think, like... I think talk to somebody. Mm. Don't keep it blocked in. Because, you know, whatever you've gone through, people who've actually been in it a long time probably have gone through it as well. Mm-hmm. And they're there to help you. Yeah, no one's th- there to, to judge you. You know, if you actually if you actually asked somebody, you might find that you won't get burnt out because therefore you're actually are lightening the load. 
Exactly. And I think people are afraid to share their burdens. They're afraid to share. I'll be judged. You know, they're going to think odd of me if I say I have this or I have depression or I have anxiety or I have like I can't handle it anymore. Because I think once you're, you're constantly pushing it down, pushing it down, you're either going to implode or I believe that it'll manf manifest in some kind of physical, uh, you know, ailment. Uh, also, I think speaking to somebody allows you to for them to make everybody likes to be accountable in some mm -hmm. way. Yes. Sometimes actually speaking to somebody and asking them to challenge you mm -hmm. actually makes you more accountable and then you're going to want to progress. Yes, exactly. Um, exactly. And I think that that's another reason why people move out of the industry because they're not being challenged anymore. Mm. So it doesn't have to be a, you know, an upsetting challenging mm -hmm. result. It could be something that could be quite nice just for you to think of something in the future. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. I could just keep talking to you, <laughs> but I know our listeners, you know, they like their hour of power, but I'd really love because I know, um, and if you guys are here, comment below the video, or if it's posted on Facebook or wherever we are, leave a comment. Um, if you would like Jackie and I to do a Facebook live where you can actually interact on a and a or she'll do a little bit of live coaching on a, a Facebook live, we'll set something up. We'll have you guys come on and then you can pretty much ask Jackie anything, anything. <laughs> so she said anything <laughs> so anything and it pertains because your questions may have may help not only you but a lot of other people that are listening or people that are just afraid afraid to ask so if I wanted to get coaching counseling help from you where would I go Jackie how can we find My, you where are you I'm on I've got I've got a business um I've got a Facebook page which mm -hmm. is um a Jackie case um um charge what you're worth and be business savvy yes um, <laughs> which is so important yes and also my website which is jackie case which is j-a-c-q-u-i-e-c-a-s-e dot coach perfect and are you on instagram too i am on instagram again jackie case dot coach Okay, so if you just type in Jackie Case, you'll find her wherever you need her, and they can personal message you, they can direct message you, Absolutely. they can comment, they can, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, like, I like to be challenged as well, so <laughs> ask, ask me what you like. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for that, so we'll have our Facebook Live coming up. I want to say thank you, Jackie, for your time, for being in the UK, so I'm here in Toronto, Canada. She's about four hours ahead, so for me, we're recording at different times of the day, but we had it, made it happen. Um, embrace Jackie, check her out, make sure to like, follow, share, and we'll see you next time. Hey, 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 it's B-Rad Celebrity Stylist, your host of the Hairstylist Empowerment Podcast. I am so glad you enjoyed today's episode, and I thank you for listening as well as your support. I have exciting news for all you hairstylists out there, as well as for your family and your friends. Imagine warm, sunny days, relaxing beaches, and a cool beverage in hand, all while being empowered in every area of your life. The Empowerment Cruise is coming for you. Days at sea, your life will get empowered by the top speakers and artists of transformation. This includes empowerment in your relationships, 
finances, career, spiritual awakening, mental clarity, social situation, meet the best of the best, as well as your health and well-being. Finally, have the body you desire. On the day you're on shore, you can explore the lands, you can be with your friends, your family, and your new friends that you just met on the Empowerment Cruise. For more information, just follow BRAD Celebrity Stylist on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, where I offer free online coaching. Would you like to be a guest on the show or even a speaker on the cruise? Just message me. Please like, share, follow, subscribe, and don't forget to turn on your notifications. See you next time.